the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. Happy Friday, January 27th, 2012. Wall Street's not so happy this morning, and Wall Street hasn't been so positive this week. There's some, uh, I would say almost downness. Maybe after having three up weeks, we're getting that first down week. Tends to happen that way. Can't always be moving higher. Dow's down 65. NASDAQ's down 1. The S&P 500's down 4. Gold's up 2 bucks to 17.29 an ounce. 10-year Treasury sits at 1.93. Oil's at $100 a barrel. Oil could be one of those stories of the year. You know, we're looking at how will Europe play out. Will America's strength continue to grow? Will China continue to grow? One of the things that we could... uh look at is oil prices. Another thing we'll look at who's going to be president. So there's a lot going on this year. And you don't start with a little bit, you know, thinking about big picture issues. I like starting the show that way. Equity markets done its fair share of positives this year. Yesterday wrote an impressive earnings report from Caterpillar, a very solid, durable goods order. And we had a good day. But we didn't end up having a good day. There was some profit-taking. Entering today's session, the S&P 500 is up two-tenths of a percent for the week. But glancing at the market numbers out of the gate, we might give that up. The S&P 500, like I said, is down four. NASDAQ down two. Dow down 63. So we're going to be close. We're cutting a very close wire here. Overnight, Overnight action. What happened in the worldwide markets. Don't forget, typically, as our day is hitting 4 or 5 in the afternoon, the Asian markets are opening up. So overnight, nothing really crazy. There's another report of a Greek debt swap deal that could be near. And this is allegedly providing some measure of support. Italy auctioned off 11 billion euros of three-month and six-month bills. So the real kicker on the Italian bond front, though, is that the yield on Italy's benchmark 10-year dropped below 6 we can deal with that. It's yielding 5.8%. The higher the number, the more panic there is. Spain's 10-year note also dropped below 5%. It's down to 47 So the drop in yields reflects that 
There's an easing of fears on the Eurozone debt crisis. Current readings, though, you know, we're climbing a wall of worry. Earning misses from Ford and Chevron, coupled with disappointing fiscal year guidance from Procter & Gamble, lower than expected reading in the advanced estimate of fourth quarter GDP. They've taken some wind out of the sales today. It's not awful. So the advanced estimate of real GDP, it increased at an annual rate of 2.8% in the fourth quarter. Our economy is working somewhere between 2 and 4%. When we hear numbers over 3%, the stock market's real easy to make money in. When you hear numbers closer to 2%, the stock market becomes a lot tougher to make money in. So these are good numbers. I'm not upset by seeing a rate of 2.8%. The bulk of the increase from the change in private inventories uh, increased $56 billion. That contributed about 1.94 percentage points to the fourth quarter change in GDP. Not a lot of inventory building, not necessarily consumption. There was an acceleration in personal consumption expenditure up 2%. There was an acceleration in residential fixed investment up 10.9%. A downturn in federal government spending down 7.3%. A deceleration in non-residential fixed investment. An acceleration in imports. So, see, GDP numbers can get really boring really fast. The new normal zone, we're probably growing around 2%, not necessarily 3%. First look at fourth quarter GDP highlights, you know, economic releases today. It's a big one that we're digesting. Uh, What else do we have to hit? So earnings season still continues on. Next week we'll, we'll wrap up the first quarter. Well, actually, the fourth quarter earnings season that was reported in the first quarter of this year. Amgen's among stocks to watch. It's the world's biggest biotech company. It fell a penny short. Starbucks earned 50 cents a share for the fiscal first quarter, one cent above expectations. The company raised low end of its full year profit forecasts. Transocean in the news today. They saw a 6% jump last night. A federal judge ruled that the company won't have to pay third-party compensation damages for the Gulf oil spill, but may be liable for punitive damages. Juniper Networks took a 7% hit. They gave a first-quarter earnings outlook short of expectations. Seagate Technologies, hard drive maker, they added a billion to their stock buyback program. They boosted their quarterly dividend by 39%. Uh, Riverbed Technologies... They beat expectations, but they gave a first quarter outlook that was below expectations. So this earnings season just kicks out so much damn information, right? You seeing it? Ryland, they reported a modest fourth quarter profit. Home builders' new orders are rising by 24%. Eastman Chemical saw earnings well below expectations, but they gave a first quarter outlook that exceeded expectations. What's interesting to know about that is Wall Street really doesn't care about the past. It cares about the future. So you can come out and report, I've got SARS. I'm on my deathbed. But next quarter, I'm going to rock and roll. And Wall Street will report, will love that. 
We just got another economic release. The University of Michigan sentiment. And we saw the final reading on that for the month of January. It reached a reading of 75. To be crazy and, and happy and gaga, it's more of a reading like 110. Sentiment gauge, which covers how consumers view their personal finances as well as business and buying conditions, it averaged about 87 in the year before the start of the most recent recession. And now the reading's around 75. So it gives you an idea. We're just not as happy-go-lucky. And when we're not happy-go-lucky, we don't spend money. Speaking about happy-go-lucky, Riverbed Technologies having a rough day. They're down 22%, $23 a share. You know, I told you they missed forecasts and they lowered expectations for the next quarter. This is a company that could get acquired. I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm saying it could get acquired. It's had a bad sales run. Shares of diagnostic product maker Cephid, they're up 20%. So Riverbed has a bad day. Cephid has a great day. Cephid said it now sees earnings between 55 and 60 cents on revenue of 333 million to 347 million. A poll of analysts pegged the company at earning 39 cents a share on revenue of 333 million. So we got tons to talk about today. We'll look at some of the top tech stories. We'll take a look at some of the top investments of the year. We'll cover breaking news. Anything that you want to talk about. We can talk about the financial sector. You know, off the top of my head, I can name T. Rowe Price and Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, American Express, Travelers, Leg Mason, Discover Financial, Chubb Corporation, SML Group. It's an industry that has a lot of winners, and it's an industry that has a lot of losers. It's worthy of note. A couple quick things. We could take a look at the market, and the NASDAQ is now up for the day. The Dow is down 67, and the S&P 500 is down 3. And just in that tick, the NASDAQ is down 1. Uh, 10-year Treasury sits at 1.94%. I do have a seminar coming up in Pleasanton next Thursday, so six days from now. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's a wealth preservation retirement planning. It's always a good event. Sign up at robblack.com. Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What do you want to talk about? We could, Like I said, anything you want to talk about. We could talk about you, talk about your 401k, your 403b, your 457. These are typically the very best ways to invest. These are typically the very best ways to save money over time. They're vehicles. They're savings vehicles. And uh, you have to you know, pick decisions. You have to make decisions on what you're going to put inside of them. So a large-cap mutual fund, a mid-cap mutual fund, a small-cap mutual fund, 
there's two very good websites that can help you. I can help set up the basic ideas, but you need more than basic ideas. There's a website called Morningstar.com, and there's a website called FinancialEngines.com. And you'll spend some time there. One of them, Morningstar, has a free service. Financial Engines is a paid service. Morningstar is a paid service after two free weeks. So you can set it up, but you're not going to you know, use that. It's a high-end planning tool. It's going to ask you a lot of questions about you and your goals and your age and your income. I highly recommend it. Let's talk about a fun story of the day because it's Friday and I, I search for some things that are a little bit on the easier side to digest. No National Football League sponsor knows a quality toss, like a pizza maker, right? Um, for those of you who have ever worked at a Domino's or Pizza Hut or Papa John's, making dough, slapping dough, it's kind of fun. Get some of your frustrations out. Papa John's, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, they unveiled a Super Bowl coin toss experience. It includes a free large one-topping pizza and two-liter Pepsi Max for millions of fans enrolled in the Papa John's Papa Rewards Program. If you correctly call the Super Bowl coin toss, no matter which team wins the Super Bowl, Papa John's fans have skinned the game. You will get a free two-liter Pepsi, one free large, one-topping pizza. So basically, you got a 50-50 chance to, to win a pizza. Um, John Shatner, he started uh, Papa John's in 1984 out of the back of his father's tavern in Jeffersonville, Indiana. I heard that he was trained at Domino's and then jumped out and started his own firm. Domino's had great training. And then they kind of got into trouble because Domino's was able to make a pizza and get it to your house in under 30 minutes. And then some of their drivers ran over people, and that's when kind of the company started going downhill. So America will make its heads or tails call. You can vote at papajohns.com today. And, uh, I don't know, part of free pizza or not, <laughs> you know? I used to go to hockey games, and some hockey games were kind of funny because if the team scored six goals, you'd get a free pizza. So the hockey teams don't typically score six goals, but you get five and the crowd starts chanting, you know, one, two, three, four, five, we want six. One, two, three, four, five. And when you have a crowd, you know, those words kind of mumble together. And six sounds like sex. And it's just, it's funny. I know you're saying, do you drink at hockey games? Maybe one. Okay, Richmond Federal Reserve President, bank president, a guy named Jeffrey Lackard. So we have what's called the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve is a group of bankers that get together and they talk about regions. Northern California, Southern California, San Francisco. Uh, Richmond, Virginia, Philadelphia's regions. I mean, you, you get the idea, right? So there's this one bank president, Jeffrey Lacker. He said he dissented from the Federal Reserve's announcement earlier this week that it intends to keep interest rates near zero until late 2014 because it expects economic activity to prompt an earlier rate rise. He said, I dissented because I do believe economic conditions are likely to warrant an exceptionally low federal funds rate for so long. I expect that as economic expansion continues, even at a moderate pace, the federal fund rates will need to rise in order to prevent the emergence of inflationary pressures. 
The cost of money is cheap. The Federal Reserve said we'll keep it cheap through 2014 earlier this week. And the market had a big rally day. When you keep money cheap, that means you and I can borrow money cheap and we get a car. And, you know, the world's steel gets eaten up. The world's oil gets guzzled. Because when you manufacture something, you use a lot of energy to manufacture it. So it creates inflationary pressures. You know, steel companies, they can't keep the price of steel low if there's such demand for it. They'll eventually raise the brakes. So the Fed's kind of acting in our best interest, or we think they are. So we pay a lot of attention to the Federal Reserve. Um, Their job is to fight inflation. Energy stocks rose today despite losses in the broad markets. Names like Chevron, they were lower. They missed Wall Street expectations. But names like Transocean Rig, up 3%. Names like British Petroleum, Halliburton, Cabot Oil and Gas. We're looking at inflation on oil prices. Oil's averaging $100 a barrel roughly right now. Start of the year, the high 90s, it's creeping a little bit higher. It's not out of control, but it is creeping a little bit higher. And who likes the creep? No one likes the creep. What else do we need to know as far as today goes? Um, Let's take a look. There's not really any big breaking stories. University of Michigan consumer sentiment rises. That's nice. As we feel good about the economy, we tend to spend money. Ford expectations fell short. Uh, Ford posted a fourth quarter profit that was lower than expected. Operations dragged down results while a one-time tax gain resulted in the company's biggest annual profit since 1998. Ford has reported 11 consecutive profitable quarters, income of $13.6 billion, compared with $190 million. That's stunning, but again, part of that is a one-time gain. So it was the third straight annual profit for CEO Alan Mulally, 66 years old. It was another good solid year, but not as good as some years recently. Ford is in a position to have a very good year this year in large part because our fleet of cars is getting older. Procter & Gamble, the world's largest consumer products company, they reduced their full-year expectations because of some unfavorable foreign currency exchange rates. Procter & Gamble, you know, said Kimberly Lee Clark uh, also reported this week, also had a weaker projected full-year earnings, saying foreign currency looks like a headwind. So we pay attention to Procter & Gamble. You know, Procter & Gamble is bounty. I got a seminar coming up one Thursday from now in Pleasanton. It's a wealth preservation retirement planning, so it's people, people 50-60. We're starting to get to that age now where they've got a lot of money and they need to know what to do with it. Or if you're 30 and 40 and you're not near retirement, it's still a good event for you. In large part because you'll start seeing some of the issues you need to think about. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. AM 1220, KDOW. That's 800-516-1220. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for believing in me and giving me, you know, your time of day. I try to do my best to make it worth your while. Um, what do you want to talk about? Like, uh, there's so many good stories out there. And by that, I mean, there's some good stories. Uh, how to get to retirement, how to fund retirement. What's retirement going to look like for you? Do you care? A lot of people don't want to think about it. And that's unfortunate. A lot of people, because when you're younger, you have time. And there's two things that make you wealthy. Time and a healthy savings rate. When you start younger, it's easy to become it's easy to become a millionaire. When you wait, you blow it. It's it's too long, you know. A couple things that we could talk about to get to a million dollars. You have different savings rates or annual rates. 6%, 8%, 10%, 12%. Those are typically the way you look at it. A million dollars pays you $40,000 a year in retirement, maybe $50,000 a year in retirement. So let's say you're 20 and you've got 40 years to retirement. All you need to do is throw down 85 bucks a month. That's all you need. If you're getting a 12% rate of return, if you're getting a 6% and you're much more conservative... It's a $502 monthly rate. Okay, so most of us are probably 30 or 40, right? So let's go with a historic 10-year, 10% a year, which is what the S&P 500's averaged for the last 100 years. About 8.5 and then 1% or 2% in dividend yields. You got to do about $442 a month if you're getting 10% at age 30. Uh, let's let's go with the, the norm, 286, 12%. So you can see that the longer you wait, it jumps from 85 to 286 because you're running out of time. Once you're 60, you have to manage your wealth. Up until then, you can create wealth. So let's say you're 50 years old and you want to get a million dollars and the market's going through an 8% growth phase. You need to save $5,400 a month. That's a lot of money. So you're not going to do it, are you? When you're young, it's easy to find 85 bucks, 150 bucks. It's easy to look at when you're young. Keep in mind, money doubles every 7.2 years. If you contribute about $1,700 a month to an investment, which... Gets you 8% after taxes. You should accumulate a million dollars in 20 years. If you have $200,000 invested at 8%, 
for 20 years, it grows to a million dollars without any additional contribution. So getting a lump sum working is a great idea. If any of you have ever been in, if any of you have ever been in a car accident and got a lump sum, for instance, when I was 18, I got rear-ended pretty good. And it's kind of funny because the way she said it, well, no, I, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. I remember looking up in the mirror and I saw this car coming at me and I was at a dead stop. The car in front of me was at a dead stop. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to end badly. Um, and bam. And I got $3,000. I have a brother who's a, who was an ambulance chaser. And he said, you know, Rob, you got a strained neck. Insurance companies know how much pain and suffering you've been in. Your car was totaled. They know they're at fault. You got rear-ended. The woman gets out of the car, and this is fantastic. She goes, it was my fault. It was my fault. It was totally my fault. My foot slipped off the gas. It never found the brake. And I'm like, oh, boy. Like, don't, put, don't ever say that in a car scene accident. Don't take fault. Don't, don't do it. Um, so I got $3,000. Next drain equals $3,000. I remember that day you know, 20 years ago, roughly. And it stunk because that night I got into bed and my body just locked up on me from the accident and you couldn't move. So I feel the pain of people who, who are in car accidents. And I, you know, a couple days later, I was total, I'm not totally fine, but pretty good. So saving money is something you have to have time on your hands for. It's the number one thing I could teach you is Start today if you haven't started already. A plan by President Barack Obama's administration for managing development in national forest systems may slowly frack on public lands, even as he pledged greater domestic energy exploration. Putin, the leader of Russia, looks like he's going to have a, a runoff in March. More than 70% of investors said an attack on Iran's nuclear facilities would create only a short-term disruption in the oil markets. Only about a third of the 1,200 global investors, traders, and analysts surveyed think that an attack could trigger an oil shock leading to a global recession. This is something that may happen. You know, Iran is kind of testing the world, a lot like Iraq did. Iraq said, oh, we want to go into this country and and make it ours. And we want the oil, and we're mad at them, and they're stealing our oil. And, you know, we put weapons inspectors in there, and then Saddam Hussein kicks them out, and George Bush got tired of it. Went in there and said, if you're going to, you know, develop weapons of mass destruction and destroy our friend Israel, or potentially destroy our friend Israel, we're not going to stand for this. So... You play with fire as a world leader when you don't play nice with everyone else. What else is there? Standard chartered strategist Thomas Hart and Edward Lee. They think the ringgit is going to trade at $3.12 per dollar by March. So it's a foreign currency call. Foreign currency comes across as the word forex. Foreign exchanges, forex, F-O-R-E-X. I've never met a foreign exchange trader who made money. You see commercials for it, and in a humorous way, this is kind of sad. There's a lot of greed tied towards it. I got emails after Iraq fell. 
I can buy a million dinar for $200. What should I do? Those million dinars are worth nothing. And they're always going to be worth nothing. So let's get back to a simple strategy idea. How do you get a million dollars? A couple things you want to do is gather information. You want to analyze information. You want to decide and implement a plan. Along the way, you're probably going to have to hire some people to help you. Maybe a financial planner, because it's overwhelming for you to set up a proper diversified portfolio. You're going to want to hire a tax advisor. You're probably going to want to get some life insurance, some property and casualty, health insurance. I have an attorney that, that I know. I've only had to use him twice in my life, but every time it's, it's been stunningly good work. Um, so you gather information. You, you do a little fact-finding. You figure out what you can and can't do. You know, you have to look at your assets, you have to look at your liabilities, you have to look at your cash flow, figure out what your current status is on saving for retirement, estate and risk management. You do need to reallocate investments from time to time. So it's a kind of a cycle that you're going to have to go through yet again. Do you know what risk management is? You know, cash flow management, estate planning. So you're going to have to probably educate yourself a little bit. And that's, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. There's a good book out there by a guy named Rick Edelman who wrote a book on saving for, well, he's a financial planner. He's got a business. And 10, 20 years ago, he, he was great. Now he's a little bit more of a sellout trying to say, oh, you can't do it yourself. Come to me and I'll do it for you. But uh, The Truth About Money is a great book. I wrote a book very similar to it. You know, it covers all the basics I'm sorry, not the truth about money. Go with the new rules of money. That's the better of the two books. If you want a copy of my book, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'll send you out a free PDF of it. and uh, you know, It's good because you can take a look at the chapters and figure out, hey, I need to brush up on cash flow management. Hey, I need to brush up on mortgages. So it's not a life-changing book. It's not how to make a million dollars overnight. I'm not going to teach you how to trade. Because no one can teach you how to trade. If you want to become a trader, you're working in Chicago, you're working in New York, you're not doing it from the basement of the science building. Let's take a quick look at the numbers and see if there's any big market stories. The advanced reading on fourth quarter GDP said that growth was less than expected. The euro is pairing some early gain. Earnings are failing to excite despite some overall pretty good strength. Energy prices are problematic today. Crude got off to a strong start, up to $100 in the first 30 minutes. Now it's pulled back a little bit. So it's playing with that $100 technical level. i got a seminar coming up this Thursday, six days from today in Pleasanton. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll come back, take a look at the market numbers and more. We are down for the day on the Dow and the SP up on the NASDAQ.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, invested in more. Talking about the stories on Wall Street. We got the Dow down 70. The NASDAQ's up one. The S&P 500's down five. Gold's lower, silver's lower, copper's lower, all fractionally. The euro ticking a little bit higher. The dollar dropping a little bit lower. Whole Greek debt wrangle. It's out there, and a lot of people think Greece is going to go into default at some point in time. <coughs> um, you know, there's always different stories that we can angle on Wall Street. How's the president election cycle going to play out? Procter & Gamble out there today, lowering expectations on one hand. U.S. consumer confidence, better than expected. So Michigan sentiment rises. PG&E says things are bad. Ford missed a profit expectation, but they still have a profitable year. Romney seen costing private equity fundraising. Mitt Romney's campaign for the Republican presidential nomination may be costing his private equity backers a lot more than they bargained for. Ultimately attacked by opponents portraying Bain Capital. Romney and other buyout managers as corporate looters who enrich themselves at the expense of ordinary workers have put the spotlight on an industry that will affect negotiations about future investments. Every now and then something happens in our political world that teaches us a little bit more about our real world. Whether it's how many uh, justices we have in the United States, Supreme Court justices, whether it's all about private equity. So now that you know that Mitt Romney is basically a wealthy man and that a lot of his money comes from investments and not income and his tax rate's low, it's pretty frustrating for a lot of Americans, but you're starting to grasp what it is. You know, U.S. public and private pensions provide 42% of the capital for all private equity investments. The political attacks by Romney and Bain will definitely come up when firms pitch new funds. You know, people are starting to hear, you know, well, Mitt Romney's a, a looter, a corporate looter, and then suddenly a, a teacher's association is trying to raise money and they want to give it to a private equity firm. They, psh, someone's going to go, I heard, I heard. A new poll just came out this morning from the Kaiser Family Foundation. It shows that more than half of Americans say the Supreme Court should rule that the health overalls law requirement to make you have health insurance or pay a fine is unconstitutional. So 54% of the surveyed said the Supreme Court should rule against the mandate, while only 17 said the court should uphold it, and 29% said, we don't know. That survey also found that most Republican voters don't agree with the attack on GOP presidential candidate Mitt Romney that the health care law he signed as governor of Massachusetts is similar to the federal law. So, eh, I can't say there's enough meat there to make a story. Uh, Twitter said something that's kind of interesting. 
today, and they, they did it in 154 characters or whatever it is. No, uh, Twitter said they're going to be censoring tweets by country based on what each country allows. Some people want the internet to be wide open. Some people don't. So a new policy went into effect at Twitter yesterday that allows the company to censor tweets if a com- country's law requires it. That's a strike for free speech. That's a strike for change. But that keeps Twitter growing and potentially in China. And you know, China and Google had their spat, and it was pretty public. Motorola only shipped one million tablets last year. They came out of CES with a real hot product, Zoom. The first Google-sanctioned Android tablet. But ultimately, poor reviews took Motorola several you know, more months to finally provide the Zoom. Promised to upgrade that allows it to connect to Verizon's 4G. They only came out with two new tablet models last year. So... Some companies don't uh, do nearly as well as one would think. Uh, what else do we have? Google Wallet got its second big management shakeup in a week. Google Wallet wants to kind of be like PayPal. Google's head of consumer payments, Vikas Gupta, has resigned. Google Wallet is a pretty cool payment system. It lets you buy stuff by tapping your phone on the credit card machine at a checkout. But it does have some problems outside of perpetually changing management. It currently only works on one phone from Sprint. And some carriers are starting to disable it completely. So Google opens up a lot of can of worms. And uh, some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. So those are some of the, the headline stories today. We got the Dow down 70, the NASDAQ's up fractions, the S&P 500's down 4. The headlines out there today, again, are fourth quarter GDP, advanced rating on it, was lower than expected, and had a lot of inventory build. Inventory build is analyzed this way. On one hand, it's good because people are at work manufacturing things. On another hand, if you see too much of an inventory build and not enough consumption of that inventory, maybe they don't come back to work at the factory tomorrow. Maybe the factory says, you know what, let's cut back our hours, let's cut back our production. So that's out there today. Sectors that are doing well, housewares, home building, oil and gas equipment, diversified chemicals. Sectors that are doing poorly is automakers, steel companies, and communication equipment. Let's take a break here. We'll come back in the next hour, taking a look at the top stories, breaking news, financial tips, financial planning. You can sign up at robblack.com for the seminar that's coming up next Thursday, this Thursday, six days from now, in Pleasanton, California, 6 to 9 o'clock, AM 1220, KDOW. financial 
oil a big story on the markets this year? Keep an eye on it. It's flirting with $100 a barrel today, which is a psychological number. The Dow's down 56. The Nasdaq's up 8. The S&P 500 down 1. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you today, Chad? Great. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. It's always good to have you in studio talking financials, talking money with me. You often say that you can't start a financial plan without a budget. Now, again, there's a lot of things you need to know about money. Budgeting is one of them. It's probably uh, close to the top of the things that you need to know. Budgeting and goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, a true financial planner, a true fiduciary that's going to actually create a financial plan for you is going to be very cash flow oriented, which means long-term cash flow projections, long-term projections of even your tax bracket. And you can't possibly figure out whether or not you've saved enough or how much you have to save until you know what you're spending now and what you're going to spend in retirement until you've created a budget. I mean, I can't, I can't do anything for people until I know what their expenses are. You know what I mean? Right, unless, right. Unless, they, unless I can look at their portfolio and say, well, you have way more than you need to retire on. I need a budget. It's, it's one of the metrics that you use to say, are you meeting your expectations in retirement? Are you meeting your goals or not? So younger people just really need to move slowly and buy what you can afford. That's the, that's the first thing about budgeting when you're younger is buy what you can afford. Don't buy what your parents already have. Buy what you can afford because people are going to be judging you by the size of your portfolio when you retire, not the type of car you drive. So, so you're saying the size does matter? Of the portfolio? Right. Definitely. Absolutely. So budgeting, you just brought up a concept. There's retirement budget, but there's also a pre-retirement budget. Is For simpler terms, a pre- like my lifestyle, I need a budget. I need to make sure that I'm not spending more than my paychecks. Yeah, well, you've got to look at the budget and see how long certain things are projected for. You can't just look at your budget if you have young kids right now, especially in the Bay Area if you're in an area where you're using private school. That expense isn't going to be there forever. So some certain expenses... Uh, Private education, certain kids' costs, you know, the ballet every month, the soccer costs, that's going to go away at some point. But other things come back in in retirement that you've got to project as well. Like most people spend more money in the first five years of retirement than, than when they're their last five years of working because they're, they're doing either the honey-do list or the vacation dream list or buying the RV or the second home. All of that has to be projected. So you have to sit down and say, what do I want my retirement to be like? Am I really going to be happy if I just quit working at age 60 or 65? Do I have hobbies? Do I have things that, that excite me, that I'm passionate about, that I want to do? And how do I fund that? You know, how do you make money work for what you really want your life to be like? So I get the whole Rob Black's lifetime budget. You know, I get what I'm spending, what I'm not spending, what I'm saving, what I'm not saving. Um, I use Mint.com, which stands for moneyintelligence.com. It helps me with a budget because it tracks all my spending, Yeah, which yeah. is basically what a budget is. Track your spending first and foremost and then start, you know, adding other lines into that budget. Uh, what do you think about Mint.com? Um, I think, uh, you know, if you can get past the first couple of quarters where it's kind of monotonous, you got to make sure things get categorized the right way. Sometimes if you're using certain cards, things can get double booked. So there's some definitely some weekly cleanup that you want to do for the first couple of months on Mint. And then, and then hopefully it gets automated for you. You sign up your credit cards and, and debit cards, and then it tracks your spending and helps you categorize that. And then you can see how you're doing versus other families in your same kind of zip code area. You know, are you, are you spending more or less? Are you cool with uh, using an online tool like Mint.com where it's yeah. tracking your finances and you're not worried about hackers? Yeah. The, the, the thing that I've seen is, first of all, most credit cards and bank cards, you're going to have that $50 limit or you're you know, responsible for maybe the first 50 bucks, but you got to keep an eye on it in case something happens so you can shut it down. Most of the bad cases of identity theft that I've seen have to do with mail. 
Okay. You know, the, people that sign up their credit cards online, as long as they have a, a, a pretty recent computer right. with spyware and adware that you're constantly, you know, set your computer up so you're doing a screen every night, obviously. Um, it, I think it's a lot safer to pay checks online than to write checks. Okay. And and I'm not worried about the, the online theft, but, you know, go ahead and get your identity theft insurance if you want to. So we need to wrap this up a little bit sooner rather than later. We talked a little bit pre-retirement budget. Let's talk post-retirement budget. What are some of the surprises that people need to start allocating for that, that expense? Your dreams, first of all. So you got to make sure you sit down now and dream what you want your retirement to be like that and budget for that. But don't forget, you got health care costs. Medicare insurance, medical insurance isn't free when you turn 65. You have Medicare. you got to pay for Medicare Part B. That's 115 or so a month or more if you're a successful person and, and have a higher income. And you've got taxes. Most of the money people are retiring with are in their 401K. So you got a million dollars in your 401K. That's really only 700 grand after taxes. Right, absolutely. And then inflation—that's the biggest one. Healthcare costs are going up at five to six percent. The value of a dollar is cut in half every eighteen years. So you can't assume that your your income will be level in retirement. You've got to be able to increase it with inflation. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. He is a CFP. So that's Chad Burton talking financial planning. He's always good to have on the show. He's going to be joining me. Thursday, next Thursday, in Pleasanton for a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Seminar. Uh, I was looking during the break at some of the stories that are out there today, and I always find it interesting on how we move around as a, you know, as basically a stock market. There's investments that hurricanes can become, you know, big, and we'll talk about that, or real estate investment trusts suddenly become big. Swine flu, uh, coal. We hear stories coming out of China. You know, uh, China is consuming all the coal they can get. They probably have a, a, a place where they're storing it in underground facilities for some reason. We get a little bit crazy. Well, there's another one that we're getting a little bit crazy on today. It's swine flu. It's starting to hit that time again where bird falls out of the planet, out of the sky, and we go, what's going on? So companies like Novavax, uh, all moving higher. Story coming out of Japan, making the rounds, following a story earlier in the week from Mexico as momentum plays start to ramp up. A company called Biocrest, ticker symbol BCRX, up 12 cents. So some relative strength. It's a story. Now, last time I checked, bird flu didn't destroy the world. Maybe it will in the future. And as an investment, you can make some do-re-mi from people getting scared, people getting nervous. Uh, again, there's all sorts of ways to make money on Wall Street, not just one. So momentum. I think that's our lesson of the day, so to speak. Let's talk about some of the other big stories that are out there or, or feelings on Wall Street. Let me see if we can do some breaking news. Uh, commodities, gasoline futures jump to highs. Gasoline futures, ticker symbol UGA. It's uh, oil at $100 a barrel. It's a lot more profitable. Uh, I own some energy stocks. I hope you do as well. The Fed sold $8.7 billion worth of 2014-2015 maturities. They're not having any problem selling. The U.S. De- uh, problems with our deficit, not having any problem raising money. KLA 10 cores up 10% today, 5% on earnings guidance. 
Riverbed Technology came in weaker than expected following earnings. That stock's down six bucks today to twenty three dollars a share. That's a stock I used to like, but once the economy slowed down, I haven't liked it. In good economies, it does very very well. In bad economies, not so much. Or tougher economies. AM twelve twenty KDOW. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more thanks for listening to the show sometimes i try to give my 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 perspective sometimes it's a little bit easier for you know it to translate well in radio and sometimes it's not you know verizon had a, a pretty good quarter and they missed by a penny i would own verizon shares i'm comfortable with that name it's a company that was around when i was a little boy no actually it wasn't was it well it kind of was the whole at&t break up and get back together and you know, deregulation. Oh, good God. Um, so Verizon, ticker symbol is VZ. Let me just, you know, again, try to show you the way I work. And again, I don't want you to be me. But if you can learn something from me, great. Verizon, ticker symbol is VZ. In the last 52 weeks, the stock's gone from about 36 bucks to 37 and a half, not up much, but it's also yielded 5.3% dividend yield. It's also, in my opinion, a fairly valued company. Now, again, that changes. It's trading next year's 13 times earnings. Um, anytime the stock dips 10%, I like it. So, for instance, back in... August of last year, when the stock market was getting kind of unruly, it went from $38 a share to 33 It dropped about four and a half, five points. Now, that may not be exactly 10%, but it's starting to become more attractive. I don't like buying Verizon at an all-time high. I like it in a bad market. 5.3% dividend yield is good enough for me. So, let's talk a little bit more about it. Why do I like it? Data revenues from wireless services, strong driver of revenues and profits. Convergence of all telecommunication services onto a single network is a competitive advantage for Verizon, especially when cellular usage becomes integrated, which is considered the quad play. Timing of fulfillment of these predictions is distant, but acceptable, since Verizon pays an extraordinary high and very secure dividend. So this is my income conservative stock to start with. During the conference call, Verizon stated that they were still comfortable with an earnings range of 242 to 255 for the year. So I'm good with that. They're saying we're comfortable. Maybe they get a little bit better. Maybe they don't. Some of the things that I like about the company is it's predictable. Cost of efficiency of converging networks. The telecom services all into a single network gives them a cost advantage. 
Convergence of cellular service on the existing network is a competitive feature service. Since the capacity of fiber to the street is still only around 10%, even when a customer does use fiber to the street television, Fios, internet and phone services, the potential for development of new services on that network is, is still there. Another, another competitive advantage. I don't know how you feel about the, the picture quality, but I've never been really happy with high definition on cable television. It's okay. But when you see high definition when it's beamed from a satellite, I like it so much better. The fiber is better than the cable. So they got a metric called ARPU. Now you're saying, what is ARPU? You just said something dirty. I'm calling the FCC on you. Now, ARPU is average revenue per user. So the increasing average revenue per user is existing cell phone customers upgrade to smartphones, which requires an additional 30 monthly dollar contractual payment. It helps margins. Margins expansion driven by data revenue since incremental use of the system is scalable. It's almost all gravy for them. Once you get a service contract, it's all gravy. Service revenue trends, data revenue trends, fiber to the street trends, all nice. All incrementally higher. Some of them much better. So the service contract is the one that you start analyzing. And you look at the average revenue per user, how in the last couple of years... It's just been slowly ticking higher. 51 bucks, 52, 52, 49, 53, 21, 53, 14, all in the last eight quarters. Data revenues, 5 billion, 5.2 billion, 5.4 billion, 5.8 billion, 6.1 billion, 6.2 billion. Again, their network is scalable. These are big data numbers. You're seeing data as a percentage of total revenues, 19%, 20%, 20.2%, 21.1%. 21.9%, 22.1%. Again, I'm no, I don't think you're going to hit a home run with a stock, but it's a nice dividend player. And I, I don't want to beat it to death because someone will get mad at me. But that's okay. Nice dividend. My conclusion is that it's, it's a, a great stock to own in a market that a lot of people are afraid of. It's got a little bit of high tech and a little bit of culture. And it's got really nice risk rewards. So in the horrible stock market, it dropped 10%. When the market's dropped 20%. So again, is it safe? Is it going to get you to retirement? I don't know you. I don't know how much you save for retirement. I don't know if you get scared and you sell. Like, I can't give you financial advice like that without talking out the side of my mouth. I just saw Research Emotions product roadmap for 2012, and it is super underwhelming. So if that's the stock that you're picking up trying to you know, find a bottom in, I don't see the product. First half of the year is dominated by the current line of BlackBerry devices, included a bunch of variants on the curve and the bold. There's mention of a playbook that could connect to HSPA networks. That's basically the 4G that's used by Sprint. You know, according to the roadmap that's leaked, it won't be until September or October that they finally introduce its new smartphone-running BlackBerry 10 software. 
I just think they continue to, to miss the ball. The game's over. I know you're saying over. <laughs> Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. And it ain't over now. So stocks are falling today as GDP trails forecasts. Now, GDP is a, a backwards-looking data point. It's already happened. We're looking at fourth quarter, and we're saying, ah, oh, it's coming a little bit weaker than expected. So it doesn't mean as much to me. We see that it grew about 2.8%, which as much money as we're paying with, with our government, that's a pretty crappy number. But anything between 2 to 3%, the economies can work okay, and the stock markets can work okay. Bouncy. When you start getting into 3 to 4% GDP growth, that's when you're talking good times. Good times. Samsung, their stock is rising to a record in Seoul. It's not an easy stock to buy in the United States. Uh, smartphone sales have boosted profit and helped Asia's largest consumer electronics company keep pace with Apple on some levels. Fourth quarter income rose 17%. The average estimate compiled by Economist was for about 13% growth. Operating margin was 5.3 trillion won. 5.3 trillion won. That sounds funny, right? So you compare Samsung to Apple right now on smartphones. Capital expenditure, panel losses. I do have a seminar coming up on wealth preservation retirement planning that you can sign up for at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Let's go to a call. Looks like we got Stefano in El Cerrito. What do you got for me, Steph? Well, I, first off, I wanted to say I enjoy the show. And uh, it doesn't sound uh, like you're still there. Uh, uh, so, I, can you hear me? I digress. Oops, hold on. Turn on my audio. You still there, Stefan? Yeah, I am. Okay, what's your question? I have a question about Sun Life Financial. And uh, it looks pretty good to me. I mean, it's got loads of cash. Um, it's got a good dividend. The price, stock price has gone down recently. And I've, actually, their earnings have gone down also, so they're closer to what the dividend pays. But the thing is, I can't find anything about it in um, value line. And I'm wondering what the earnings history and the dividend history has been. I wondered if you could tell me that. Do you own this company? No. I've been just watching it for a while. What's the ticker symbol on it? SLF. SLF. Give me just a second. It's not coming up on my screen. And your question was, what's the dividend, or what, what was the question? The question is, what's the dividend? I'm kind of interested in what the dividend history has been. If you, because I can't, like I said, I can't find anything about it in Value Line. It's a Canadian company. Right. And I'm, I don't know. It's. Um, what I'll do is during the commercial break, I'll take a look at it and see if I can find some information on the history of its payouts. And I'll talk about it right when we come off break. Thanks for the call. Could I ask you one? Could I say one? 800 516 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 516 to get your calls on the air. I do have that Wealth Preservation Retirement Seminar coming up on Thursday, less than a week from today. 6 to 9 o'clock, Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. It's in Pleasanton. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And I do have some events coming up the following month 
on the peninsula that you can start finding out about. Let's take a break here. Come back, take a look at what he has to say. YouTube channel's Rob Black Show. Twitter is Rob Black Show. And Facebook group pages, I Hate Rob Black. AM 1220, KDOW. Contact.edu. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Winston Churchill's immortal words stirred an entire country in the face of certain defeat. Today, these words give each of us the courage to reach for our own victories. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. Commitment. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Again, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event with me and CFP Chad Burton. When? Thursday, February 2nd, 6 to 9. Where? Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. Sign up at robblack.com. We'll cover diversification, tax reduction strategies, estate planning tips, how to pull money out of the market, economic outlook, portfolio structure, and much, much more. All questions answered. Thursday, February 2nd, 6 to 9. Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Stocks are moving lower, threatening a weekly advance for the S&P 500 index. I'm Charlie Pelletat, Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York. A report showed the U.S. economy expanded less than forecast in the fourth quarter as consumers curb spending. Mike England is chief economist at Action Economics. And one of the big downsides, surprise, by the way, was government spending. It's now fallen five quarters in a row. It had a big 4.6% drop in the fourth quarter. That was a big drag on the economy. It's hard to predict that, but it does appear we're in a massive contraction in government spending. It's actually the longest stretch, a five-quarter stretch of declines that we've seen since the end of the Korean War back in 1955. The S&P 500 index is down five points to 1313. Dow Industrials down 95 points at 12,639. If you're looking for a deal on a large screen TV to watch this year's Super Bowl. USA Today says big sales will be hard to find because unlike last year, retailers don't have large inventories to unload. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. It's easy when you're young and you still want it so badly. And I Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Mild weather on the East Coast may cut energy use 20%. So it's weird that, you know, most of the United States east of the Rocky Mountains can be about six degrees warmer than normal. And that changes prices for commodities. The Northeast is a big energy consumer during the winter months. 
we went to break talking about a company called Sun Life Financial. And I did a little bit of work on it. It's out of Toronto. It's on the sunny side of life insurance. The company offers insurance and wealth management products to individuals and businesses, primarily in Canada and the United States. They do have operations overseas. It's a big company. Financially, it's not small. It's a multiple $20 billion plus dollar company. It's, it's, I'm not going to say it's nice because I'm just saying it's a large insurance company. It's probably the safest way of saying it. And they've grown through acquisition in the last couple of years. Their cash is tough to get a read on. Um, their liabilities have been growing from about $83 million, 175 million. So you know, their balance sheet's not an easy read. Their net investing cash flow, their net operating cash flow aren't strong numbers. Uh, the cash for their dividends pay, they're losing money on. So I don't like what I'm seeing. Okay. Now, talking a little bit about it, some analysts have downgraded it to underweight from an operational standpoint. Sun Life is stuck in neutral. It markets sensitivities are increasingly material. With more to come, the markets realized that it had been underestimated and paying for its leverage. So it leveraged way up, and now it's like getting out of some of the businesses because they can't afford it. So regulatory capital ratio is problematic. I don't see one analyst that really likes it. For an insurance company, their third quarter numbers, they lost 99 cents a share. You want your insurance companies making money. They said they're going to close their domestic U.S. variable annuity and individual life products to new sales effective December 30th, 2011. And that will no longer enhance shareholder value. It's not expected to have a material impact on their 2012 net income. They're shifting capital around in this side of their businesses to satisfy regulators. Um, it's got a lot of downgrades. It is not well liked. So I would wait until they have a quarter or two good quarters in a row. Looking at the stock, ticker symbol SLF, it's at a 52-week low. In a stock market, it's not at a 52-week low. I don't like that. But if you're going for the ultimate value, you're going to have to buy it maybe a little bit today, maybe a little bit next month, maybe a little bit the month after that. So big insurance company, I'd rather go with ones that are near 52-week highs than near 52-week lows. Let's go to Vish. How are you, Vish? Hey, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Great show. I love it. Um, my question to you is about a, a holding that I have called Potash, uh, ticker symbol POT. I bought this around 60, and then the company is actually, the stock's doing 45, 44. Uh, it has a dominant uh, role, has a market share in fertilizers. I was wondering what I should do next. I'm down 25%. What would you advise to an investor who's down 25%? But the company is doing well. so. Could you take a look at it and let me know what you would do sure. about it? Okay, I'll talk a little bit about potash. Potash is really important to farming. It's something that we have to have. This is a commodity. It's an agricultural commodity. We know energy commodities are oil and gas. Metal commodities are gold and silver and copper. This is a commodity to me. 
So it, it has its booms and its busts. If you remember when oil went to 150, it went from 20 to 80, and then it crashed all the way back down to 25, and it's recovered. Since 2007, the stock was at 16 bucks, and now four years later, it's at 45 bucks. So you have to see that. You, it's had a really good four to five years, but it's volatile as hell. It's crazy volatile. It's volatile to make you sick. I see one analyst sees a $60 price target on it. Supply management's a little bit of an issue. Phosphate and nitrogen in 2012, probably going to outperform. Free cash flow is rising sharply over the next couple of years. I would say it's a nice long-term holding if you can buy more. It's a horrible short-term holding because it's based on demand. Demand year over year will be up about 55 to 58 million tons. Um... They just recently had a pretty good quarter. So it's a name that I, I think you add to. You don't trade it. If, you're, if it was meant for a trade, you failed. If it's meant for an investment, it creates more of an opportunity. I'm not against the company, and I can make a case for it. Um, and to take a last look at it, uh, they increased their quarterly cash dividend, which is nice, from $0.07 cents to $0.14. Cents, so you're getting a tiny little dividend in, involved in the trade. Let me see why that yields less than 1%. So really, you're getting the growth of worldwide farming and demand for food. I don't think that's going to go away in our lifetime. If you're 65, it's a different stock than if you're 40. So I think I beat that up pretty good. Let's go to Margaret Jackson. Margaret Jackson, host of Business on the Edge. Margaret, we only got about a minute. How are you today? Good, Jeff. How are you? Good. You have a good week? I had a real good week. Very good week, Rob. What do we uh, got to look forward to on your show tonight from 6 to well, 7 on AM 1220? We're going to talk about Ask Obama. Um, the State of the Union address this week was interesting, and uh, I want to give people an opportunity that if they could ask President Obama anything, what would that be? He talked about jobs. He talked about um, health care. He talked about essentially everything that a president would talk about who's trying to run for president. So, um, But I think it's interesting. I think people have a voice in what they want to in jobs, new businesses, small businesses, uh, tax codes, things like that. So we're open. We are out of time. Thanks for calling in. You can listen to Margaret Jackson's business on the edge tonight from 6 to 7 on AM 1220 KDOW. The Dow's down 77, NASDAQ up 4, the SP 500 down 3. It's that time again. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Event with me and CFP Chad Burton. When? Thursday, February 2nd, 6 to 9. Where? Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. Sign up at robblack.com. We'll cover diversification, tax reduction strategies, state planning tips, how to pull money out of the market, economic outlook, portfolio structure, and much, much more. All questions answered. Thursday, February 2nd, 6 to 9. Pleasanton, Four Points, Sheraton. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We're fashion retailers. Wine wholesalers. A surgical implant company. We are mid-sized businesses. We're working with IBM and their business partners. To fuel innovation and a new economy. And to wield the influence that once belonged to only the largest enterprises. Mid-sized businesses are the engines of a smarter planet. Let's build a smarter planet. See how IBM and our business partners are helping. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.